Hey everyone, a big welcome to the Forge Ahead Show, hosted by me, Nick Elston, inspirational speaker, creator of unique mental health engagement strategies, a transformational speaking coach, and a mentor to have in your corner. The Forge Ahead Show brings you the storytellers, the influencers, the people who have gone from adversity to excitement, forging something better, something beautiful, something powerful. So stay tuned. Dive in and be inspired by today's very special guest. Hey everyone and a big welcome back to the Forge Ahead Show Season 2 Episode 17. Time is flying. Another amazing guest to bring you this week in the shape of my good friend Adam Owen. Big round of applause for Adam. Hello, Nick. How you doing? <laughs> very good. Thank you very much. Very good. I was going to read out this intro about you, but it sounds brilliant. Uh, so I let you do this yourself. Yeah, you introduce you. And if you don't cover anything, I'm going to big you up myself. <laughs> Thank you. Well, well, yeah, well, Nick, we've been we've known each other for a good while now, haven't we? Mm. And I am um, amazed, though, that we're at season two, episode 17 before I get to come on your amazing show as well so we we must have words about that I didn't realize I was so far down the guest list consider myself but, reprimanded <laughs> but no we uh, we've known each other a while so um a very very brief introduction in terms of uh, what I do I've largely been in financial services I started off years ago in food retail I was a manager in Sainsbury's so I provided the people of Manchester with yogurt but then decided that uh, that possibly wasn't my true calling and um, decided to move into financial services so I became a financial planner and then got involved in um, over the years a whole series of things including um compliance and audit and um, lots of things that are involved in regulation then moved into training and you know helping people first of all with their technical skills in financial services but then began to get more interested in communication skills and the art of communication and how people can uh, use their communication skills to begin to influence others around them but then also to make changes more broadly and how people can affect you know, people all around me and improve lives. And so latterly, although I still work predominantly in and around financial services, a lot of the work that I do now um, with my very good friend and colleague Kate Holmes is working on how we use video and, uh, and mostly live um, interaction in order to connect with people and actually find those connections when we may not be in a world where we're actually always able to physically meet. So it's been a, an interesting and quite accelerated 12 or 18 <laughs> months really in that in that part of things i love that word interesting my favorite author terry prashik covers it as a whole manner of sins uh, inter interesting certainly covers that the bringer of yogurt i've got this kind of like dairy themed heavy metal band name that <laughs> just really sounds really really cool the bringer of yogurt i love that I think most most definitely, you know, the uh, the dairy goods or something like that would have been a, a thing. I was never quite, I, I never quite had the voice for heavy metal, really. I think my voice was a little bit too soft for that. But uh, but yes, definitely down. You know, you could always find me humming down the cheese aisle at least. So in terms of music, actually, let's let's go there. What what is your choice of music? 
Oh, you know, it's strange. I, you maybe wouldn't necessarily believe it to look at me, but I ended up being the singer in a band for a little while. We were a covers band in and around Manchester. Uh, oh, do we wow. have time for me to share the story of how I ended up being the singer in a band? Yeah, you please do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah, so I was working in a business and it was one of my colleagues, uh, 50th birthday was coming up and uh, his name is Keith. And I turned to Keith and I said, Keith, tell me, um, you know, six months from your 50th, what is on your bucket list? What is the, the, the big thing you want to do? And he said, you know what, Ad, I'd really like to be the lead singer of a band. And I just was beginning to enter my midlife crisis. So like you, I went and got myself a guitar and put it on the wall behind me. And uh, so I'd just been learning guitar at this point. And uh, I said, well, you know what, Keith, I play a bit of guitar. And I turned to Dave, who was sat with us. I said, Dave, do you play any instruments? He said, no. I said, well, you could be the bassist then. We'll go and get you a bass. And we'll form a band slightly throwaway way but uh, you know I do quite often find that when I when I start these things they tend to happen and and Keith particularly is somebody who likes to take action so a couple of weeks later Keith came back and he said I've booked us the venue I said what venue Keith he said the, the venue for the uh, from the performance on my birthday I booked the venue for my birthday I said oh well yeah that sounds great thinking okay we seem to be committed now a little I said where is it he said it's at the the railway venue in Bolton now the, the railway venue in Bolton it sadly isn't open anymore uh, but it was probably one of the UK's premier small music venues at the time and he booked it for solstice night it was a Saturday I said Keith how on earth have you managed to get a private party at the railway venue in Bolton on a Saturday night uh, at the height of summer how have you managed that he said oh no it's it's not a private venue ad we're the band for the night now the railway venue at Bolton had some top names uh, performed there. We'd never played a note together. Most of us couldn't play a note anyway. We had six months. So we, we went to our first rehearsal a couple of weeks later. Turns out that um, keeping musical time and singing in tune was not necessarily a strength of any of us in this particular band. And um, we rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. And we got to our, our six months later, Keith's birthday and we had a smashing night there were a couple of hundred people there at this venue on, on that night and wow. they weren't all family and friends so we had a smashing night and um and I think our greatest claim to fame for that iteration of this band was that the the landlord said we weren't the worst band he'd ever had on take that <laughs> take that yeah absolutely well I don't know if he ever had take that but uh, you know I would yeah. definitely take that nice. and and so yeah, so it was. Uh, so that was that. And then we we carried on for a little while, and I took some some lead singing duties in this what became a covers band uh, that did some pubs and things around Manchester until our drummer um, found other things to do. And you know, typical typical thing of we all busy lives, musical differences. But we played all sorts from Bowie right the way through to you know sort of seventies. Sort of edging into punk and then moving into sort of that Manchester sound of the Stone Roses and mm. others. So, yeah, so we played a, a whole plethora of songs that people can tap their feet to um, in a in a fairly reasonable but not particularly musical fashion. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. This is what I love about the show. You get to know the, like, the real people behind everything. And 
we were introduced uh, from a previous guest, uh, Mr. Chris Budd, uh, originally back in back at the, the the first iteration of our contact, um, and we recently had Kate Holmes on as well. Uh, so we've heard from Kate recently too. And you are now the very special guest today from the Next Gen community, of which you are director and head of content. Is that correct? Yes, I think so. That's what they yes. call me. Excellent. And we have Dan Graham, who's just booked on to come on very soon after you. So who is Next Gen? <laughs> You're all over the place on my stuff, but people asking who is Next Gen and what are you about? Well, Next Gen was formed. We have our um, our story that it was two disgruntled um, financial planning northerners in a pub. And, um, and I'm sure this plays out for so many different professions, doesn't it? That actually, you know, there's the establishment, there's the profession, and then there are people who are trying to break into the profession. Next Gen was really an antidote to the establishment from the perspective of the types of events and things that people were going to didn't seem to cater for new entrants and younger people coming into the profession. So my good friends and colleagues, uh, another Adam Carolan and Roman Sivagioti, they got together and they formed a Facebook group or a, yeah, I think it was a Facebook group. And, it, you know, it, it turned out that they'd hit a, you know, a, a little bit of a nerve. They found something that people really did respond to and that there was clearly a demand. Uh, so, of course, what do you do if you are, you know, a, a group of younger financial planners who are seeking to challenge the establishment and to you know create something new that isn't produced by a bunch of you know white middle-aged men in the profession as you come and find a white middle-aged man to help you with it don't you so they uh, they contacted me <laughs> and they said you've got a bit of experience in this type of stuff uh, you know do you think that we could do something else with this could we actually begin to build some of these structures and of course i had quite a lot of experience in the strategic side of the financial planning profession. So I said, yeah, I think we probably can. I think it probably needs it. It would be a great thing to do. So we now provide um, support from universities right the way through to people preparing to take positions in senior roles. So classroom to boardroom, looking at technical skills, but then looking at soft skills, managerial skills, leadership skills. We look at everything that, that really helps people get really good at what they do so that they can make a real difference to their clients' lives. And that's really mm. our biggest focus. We, we've created a private social network, which we've now over 500 members in, and we have a, mm. a, a partner network um, called the Financial Advisor Mentorship Group, which has another couple of hundred members in. So we're just over 700 in the UK now. And there it just gives people the opportunity to share ideas, to collaborate, to do some crazy things that we do and bring people together to do challenges. Because what we find is when people have the opportunity to collaborate, and to work together, then they bond and it builds community, but also they amplify what they can achieve. And so really our focus now is very much on that. It's to help people to amplify what they can achieve um, by bringing them together with other people to work you know, collaboratively. See, you mentioned, I think it's, it's amazing. Like I said, it really is a, a big chasm in the industry between the old school versus the route that you're taking uh, and, and each one of you. Uh, have a very slightly different take on that within that as well. And I think that really shines through in the community. I've never met a community so vibrant, but also still diverse within that niche. And it's an amazing place to be as an outsider, not just from the industry, but also from, from the next-gen community coming in. 
um, then I just find it a really welcoming place. And I think it's an amazing thing that you guys have built. Um, the Speaker and Influencer Program is something that I've been brought in uh, to, to help you with uh, over recent times. The reach is crazy. I mean, it's South Africa, it's Australia, it's the US. How did, I mean, we mentioned Kate Holmes already, and for the eagle-eyed amongst you, she doesn't come from Bristol or Manchester. Uh, so how did that kind of relationship start? And, and how is that looking in terms of global reach, um, especially over the past 15 months, I guess, with lockdown in the virtual world? Yes, and, and, and thank you for very complimentary. But the, the Speaker and Influencer Programme was born out of a frustration that I have and something that has been sort of bubbling up in me for quite some time that, uh, you know, in our profession, if you go to an event, then what you will see is somebody largely most of the time, you will see a lot of people who look and sound a lot like me and who have ideas that are often very similar to people who look and sound a lot like me. And there's nothing wrong with people who look and sound a lot like me. I've got nothing against people who look and sound a lot like me. I am one. But um, what I I think we were lacking, we were lacking inclusion. You know, we talk about diversity and you know, we talk about that we should see a, you know, a broad range of people. But to do that, you have to be inclusive. You have to create circumstances and processes that enable people to feel safe and secure and that they actually can do something you know i have been spent much of my life being told that of course i can do it and believing entirely that of course i can do it and i i don't ever recall a time where somebody has asked me to do something and i've thought at any point oh, i'm not sure if i'm able to do that i've just sort of said yes because i've always been told that you can but you know that is something that is born out of level of privilege that I have because of the way I look and the way I sound and where I live and all of those things. And I think for me, you know, if we're going to change the face of a profession, if we're going to include lots of people in that, then you have to look at how you design and construct the processes that create an end result. And in this instance, the end result we're talking about is a conference. And a couple of years back, I was sat in the last live conference that we did. And I, you know, I produce these things and so put together the speaker list and all the rest of it and I was at the the back of the conference venue and we had on stage one of my heroes and a number of books and all the rest of it and I was feeling quite pleased with myself because um, I was my job was done it was halfway through the day everyone seemed to be having a good time I had a fantastic speaker on the stage it all looked great but as I looked around, what I realised was that there were a lot of people in the audience who weren't really focusing that much on our stage speaker, the person that I'd spent much of our budget on getting to that stage. They were actually quite interested in chatting with each other. So they were looking over and waving at their friends and saying hi, because we built this community where people actually love spending time together. They don't get to do it in person all that often. It's mostly online. So when they're in person, they want to be together. And I suddenly realised that the conference was getting in the way of everyone being to talk to their friends and to meet and to socialize and to extend that network. So that was a spark that got me thinking that what I really need to do is put, you know, the people who are in the audience on stage, but then that sort of goes thinking to that bigger purpose, which is, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to change the face of conferences in a particular niche in our profession, then you need to change the way that they are put together. 
because oftentimes it is a case of you go to a provider or you go to somebody and say, do you have a speaker that can speak on X topic? And they will say, yes, here is a speaker who can speak on X topic. But all of those speakers look and sound very much the same. You know, it's, they're all called David or John or Mark. And they, they all look very similar and they all get on stage and they do a brilliant job. Uh, but there isn't a great deal of variety. And so to change the process, uh, to actually make the criteria for speaking at uh, the conference, not can you confidently speak in public? That isn't one of our criteria for selecting people because we have this new program, this new way of doing it. Our criteria for selecting people are, you know, have you had this opportunity before? And our preference is that most people who speak at our conferences haven't. And secondly, do you have an interesting idea that the world should hear? And if you meet those two things, then pretty much you, you, know, you qualify to be a speaker at our conference because we have the Speaker and Influencer Programme, which you've been a key part of this year, to, to actually help to train people and to empower them and to help them feel confident in getting their message out there and in, in speaking in public. So we turn it on its head. You know, we, in doing that, we can actually we can set certain criteria for the selection of our conference speakers. So we can say, there is an absolute 50-50 gender split. We can choose 50 men and 50 women of our 100 speakers. Uh, because once, you know, once we know that they don't have to have the skills of public speaking, and so they don't have to have done it before, because here's a challenge. You know, if you're looking for somebody who has spoken on a stage in financial planning before, chances are it's a man. And you know, that's Absolutely. our expectation. And so when you call out for, can anyone who's done a, a reasonable amount of public speaking before contact us to be, join our conference, we get hundreds of men responding. Um, but actually we need to change that. And so we can change things on the basis of gender. How do we change things on the basis of um, you know, ethnic diversity? And when we are in a, in a community and in a profession where still the majority of people, the vast majority of people are white. Well, we can go global, can't we? You know, there's a there's a phrase that has sort of taken hold and is used quite a lot in boardrooms around the country, BAME, you know, Black and Minority Ethnic. Yeah. And um, it's not a phrase I'm massively comfortable with, if I'm honest, because I recognise that when I talk to my friends and colleagues in Malaysia or Pakistan or anywhere in the world um, that isn't you know, predominantly white, then actually you know there is no black and minority ethnic i am in the minority when i'm mm. having conversations yeah but actually no one refers to me as wayne no one says white and minority ethnic and so you know yeah absolutely how do we get a, a broader variety of people on the stage then we you know we open it up and we go global and so last year at our conference we had our our first version of the Speaker and Influencer Programme. We had 30 people from the UK and um, we brought them together, went through the programme and we were going to do it on an in-person conference, but of course lockdown happened, so we had to go uh, online. And then in doing so, we also launched our breakfast show. Um, you mm. know, during lockdown, we thought, how do we get people together and keep them just pointing in the right direction every morning and you know, bring the community together? Why don't we run a little Zoom breakfast show uh, which we launched. I hosted the first episode. It was terrible. Uh, but actually, the second episode, some people came back. And so our audience returned. So we thought, well, we'll do this. Second episode was pretty ropey as well. By the fourth episode, the Thursday, it was getting a bit better. Although I did manage to call our main guest by the wrong name, which was a bit of a disaster. 
by the end of the second week, I'd stopped presenting it. And we had some members of our community doing a brilliant job of presenting it. And it just sort of took off. And we had this breakfast show. And so I thought, well, there's an 8.30 in the morning, because that's when the show used to go out. Every time zone around the world, 24 times in a day. So why don't we, as part of our conference week, run a 24-hour breakfast show? And nobody... Nobody had a strong enough objection for us not to do it. Let's put it that way. You know, there were a few people said, <laughs> are you mad? But nobody actually said, don't do that. So we we planned this breakfast show. And uh, Adam Carolan had been on Kate Holmes's podcast um, quite close to that time. He said, you know who we should involve in this? We should involve Kate Holmes. Kate's running this amazing podcast. It's global. She has guests from all over, over the world. If anybody can help us find great people for this and can you know, really help us create this breakfast show and make it global. Kate is the person. So I reached out to Kate. We started chatting. Uh, Kate was uh, immense throughout the whole planning process and the whole delivery of that particular show. We did our 24-hour breakfast show. We ran it like a telethon for charity. So we had amazing people who were doing charity um, fundraising at the time. Gretchen Betts did 24 hours of crafting. She came on every show and did a new thing that she crafted every 24 hours. Steve Martin did what it was effectively some sort of you know, huge Iron Man, a lockdown Iron Man style thing. Uh, Andrew Cook rode. We had so many people. We had um, James Mousley was flipping giant tires. I'm not really quite sure um, exactly what that was, but I remember we kept cutting back to James and he had a camera set up and all I could see was his, his, his backside as he was flipping <laughs> these tires constantly, looking more and more exhausted. But, you know, it was a, a great experience. We then ran our conference. And um, a couple of days later, having had very little sleep, I'd been awake for I don't know how long. And, uh, you know, the whole thing sort of came together. And so for this year, it seemed sensible. And I know sensible is quite a bizarre word, but it seemed sensible to actually combine the two. Why don't we run a global conference celebrating financial planning all over the world? Um, based in four countries, but that take in different time zones. And, you know, just do that on the basis that we can extend the speaker and influencer program. We can have 100 speakers instead of 30 that we had last year. We can visit different countries, learn different things. You know, the, the 100 speakers are not all talking about you know, finances and money. They're talking about things related to financial planning, but they're also talking about, you know, things that, that help people to run businesses, things that help people to focus. They're talking about inspiration. They're talking about, you know, how reading can actually improve your well-being. We've got whole sections on well-being. We've got sections on leadership. So it's a really broad range. And this is the the really interesting thing for me is that when when you ask somebody have you got an idea? Then invariably, they will say, yes, of course, I've got an idea. And then when you say, would you like to share it with the world? They say, no, I don't <laughs> want to do that. I've never done anything like that before. Thank you very much. Um, so, you know, what we have to ask is, have you got an idea? And then we ask, you know, would you like us to help you share it with the world? Just this one. And, you know, that start point uh, beginning of that journey for somebody is really important. From the conference speakers last year, so many of them have gone on to do much more conference speaking and public mm. speaking this year, to the point at which I jumped onto one of the, the major um, 
magazine publications in financial services uh, that, um, that they're running a conference in, in the end of the year in Harrogate and four of the speakers that were at our conference last year are speaking at that conference and that's right. what we want to see you know if we can if we can encourage people to find their voice and share their ideas then mm. we get a really broad range of ideas and we begin to just spread new messages and we begin to innovate and we begin to change people's styles and we begin to inspire another generation of people to think you know this is a cool thing to do mm. and you know those people don't all look like me not that there's anything wrong with looking like me i don't want any white middle-aged men out there to think i'm bashing white middle-aged men we've got Lots of white middle-aged men on this year's conference. It's okay, they're included. Um, but, you know, I don't think it has to be exclusively white middle-aged men that speak of these things. And so yeah. we can make a significant change, I think. I think you're right. You touched on so many things there, which is fascinating for me with, with kind of my efforts with the, the public speaking academies that I run, or even actually within an organisation as well. I go in at the, at the room from a position of not being within the community. So there are individuals in the same room and they're absolutely kind of sometimes crippled, but certainly held back by those traditional kind of, uh, like you said, that condition and behavior of not having a voice, not feeling entitled or empowered to be able to be there giving any opinion. What I found is with the next gen community, it's kind of like it acts as a leveler that actually it's within a community you can have, like you said, that 50-50 split. I mean, people on here have heard so they're blue in the face still, uh, about the gender imbalance in professional speaking. Why is it when I run my speaking academies that eight, I mean, last month, 90% were female in the room, but when I get to professional stages, as you said, that 90% are male, there's a disconnect. But what you're actually doing, whether intentionally or not intentionally, is that it acts as a leveler because you've taken away all the old rules and you're throwing in your own new rules. And actually, those new rules are a lot more inclusive by default. Um, the other interesting thing I found with your community, and genuinely not saying this, I work with a lot of communities, a lot of organizations and a lot of spaces. The one thing I found that's really key is that people are far more prepared to be vulnerable in your community, to be very open, even if it was just to me through kind of emails and, and conversations, than any other space I've seen in the financial community generally. Uh, yeah, generally, I think I'm for the right word, the question myself, but broadly across the financial sector, um, your space has been far, uh, far more likely to be vulnerable, to be open, to even be authentic and, and putting that into their little presentations that are doing that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think you're kind of giving people that permission. I talk a lot about people are waiting for permission to let them let themselves shine in, in that sense. And I think we're all at different stages. I still think I get in my own way a lot of the time as well. And we've had that conversation directly, very open about that. Um, but actually, there's stages to this. And I think what you're doing is you're giving people a way that they didn't think was possible. And you're changing so many people's lives, personally and professionally. How does that make you feel? It's a really interesting question. I wasn't expecting that to come off the back of your compliments there, Nick. So thank you. Thank you very much, of course. But I wasn't expecting you to ask me, how does it make me feel? You know, I don't I don't very often sit and reflect how it makes me feel because I uh, it's an easy thing to say this, really. But, I, you know, there's so much work to do and there really is so much work to do in, in all of this. But I don't really often give myself time to reflect and think okay. how does it make me feel i think i'm very satisfied with the progress that we are making so far um 
how might it make me feel in the future is maybe a different question. But right now, you know, we're at the tip of an iceberg and, you know, we're, we're looking to really you know, make some big breakthroughs. In, if we're going to change the face of a profession, then we, you know, we do have such a lot of work to do. You know, when I speak to colleagues who aren't empowered, who don't get the opportunities, who are, you know, struggling to find their voice, uh, who don't feel that they can share, and and certainly not safely and confidently, then you know, you think, well, actually. I haven't got time to feel too much about it yet because we've got a lot of work to do. Um, but one day I'd like to look back and be, you know, really content with the contribution that I've made. You know, I, I started off a few years ago when, you know, the Next Gen Planners opportunity came about. I started off talking about the fact that we should, you know, if we, if we work hard, we should look to leave whatever we're doing in a better state than when we found it or when we came to it. And, and I used to talk in small terms, you know, we should leave it in a little, a little better than when we found it. But actually, the older I get and the fewer Christmases I have in front of me, because I'm 48 uh, this year. And, uh, you know, if I live to as long as my dad lived, I've got 22 more Christmases, Nick. I count my life in Christmases. It helps to focus <laughs> matters somewhat. And, and I think that, you know, if we <laughs> I think we should try and make big change. Yeah, I've, I've now reached the conclusion that actually small change, leaving it a little better than I found it, that's fine. But actually, why why settle for a little better? You know, why not look to really push the boundaries? Because if I, you know, if, if I'm me pushing the boundaries and Next Gen Panas pushing the boundaries and the community of Next Gen Panas pushing the boundaries, if we all make it a little better, um, then at least we've shown the way for people who come in the next generation and the next generation to look to then push harder. You know, you've got to sometimes just try things to show other people that it might be possible, even if you fail. You know, failure mm. is not an option, isn't a sentence that actually crops up in next gen planners because failure is the thing that we grow from. You know, it's uh, there's Absolutely. almost at times an expectation that it won't work. Um, but you know, why not try it anyway? Why not get out there and do it? Give it a go. You know, we did our write a book in a day challenge, which you were involved in before Christmas. And, yes. You know, write a book in a day. Uh, you know, I when I voiced that and the team heard me say, we're going to write a book in a day. They didn't say no. They said, are you sure? But they didn't say no. And they said, yeah, what we'll do, we'll get a group of volunteers together. We probably need about 30 people. Each of them we can bring together into a team because when we collaborate we achieve so much more so we'll bring them into teams of two or three we'll get them to choose a chapter and they'll write a chapter everybody during the day writes a chapter by the time we've done we've got a forty thousand word book we got to forty one and a half thousand words in a day and when you know if we'd have said to any of the 30 odd people that came together to do that uh you know would you like to write a book i they'd say well yeah but i haven't got time i haven't got time to be the author of a book um, but when you collaborate, you do. And this is the thing. I'm I'm a massive fan of challenging people. And I don't mean that figuratively. I mean it literally. You know, we set challenges. We say we are going to do X in this amount of time and come and join us and let's see if we can do it. And when you challenge people like that, when it is a finite amount of time, when they know they don't have to commit to it indefinitely and they can do it in a short space of time and let's see how far we get. And while we do it, we'll have fun and we'll collaborate then people really do then just step up. And because they know, you know, write a book in a day, they know they're not going to have to commit to a year's worth of their life writing a book. 
they can be in and out. And, you know, it was a Friday. So Friday morning, they turn up. Friday evening, they're back home with their family. And they are now an author of a book, which will be published hopefully very shortly. Amazing. We're just in the process of the typesetting. I mean, on the show, we hear from, uh, on the Forge Ahead show, we have counsellors, coaches, mentors, and the, the common theme has been to kind of have those conversations with who um, counsellors have counsellors, mentors have mentors, coaches have coaches. What or who inspires you? I think it's actually the people who are in the community that inspire me most. You know, when you when you hear their stories and when you see what they're willing to do, you know, in, in, in the UK, um, Next Gen Planners community, I'm called the head of content. In um, the US, in Kate's community, I, I, I operate in the IAC community as well. Kate's called me head of wild ideas, fun and wild ideas, I think she's called me. Um, you know, it's just it. It's just an idea. I have an idea. And then other people say, yes, go on, then we'll do that. As crazy as it might be, or as not crazy as it might be, we'll do that. Yes, we'll all get involved. So I had a conversation earlier today with a member of our community, and um, we had a little gap in our conference for a, a, a host for four hours. It's in the middle of the night. It's 3 a.m. Um, that uh, that this gap has occurred. And I picked up the phone to him, and I said, it's, it's, it's Tom Parkinson. I'll name check Tom, because Tom's brilliant. I said, Tom, Great I know it's only t- it's 10 days off. We uh, I've got a little gap. I, you know, it's just an ask. Is there any chance you'd feel like just doing a, you know, a few hours um, hosting the conference and just doing some intros, etc.? Uh, but it is overnight. He said, oh, what do you mean by overnight, Adam? Is it like early morning? I said, well, it's very early morning. It's 3 a.m. <laughs> so he just said, yes. He said, I'll do it. And it's it's those people that inspire me. You know, it's, it's everybody who is willing to contribute because... Yeah. We look at that and we think, well, actually, that's our society as well. You know, we look at the last 18 months that we've been through with COVID and all of those, you know, thousands and thousands of volunteers and people who've stepped up during a pandemic to think of others and to think, right, what can I do? And to just ask, what can I do? You know, the you know, people generally are inspiring, but it's for me it's not about you know leaders who are in those positions who inspire yes there are inspirational leaders there are also some who are very inspirational as we know but there are inspirational <laughs> leaders people that you can point to and say god these people are inspiring but actually it's the people who emerge who aren't actually in positions of seniority or leadership it's those people who step forward when you're not expecting them to step forward and say i'll do that i'll take that on i'll help you know, where can I help? That's the sort of thing that really inspires me. And, exactly. you know, and that's what keeps me going with this, really, because it's a case of I know that, you know, my job in this community is to create the opportunity for people to come forward mm. and, you know, to, to do this great work. So I, I just come up with daft ideas and then <laughs> the inspirational people step forward and do it. Not that job. Head of daft ideas. That's crazy. <laughs> so you are the head of uh, or one of the heads of the community of you say 500 members um how do you kind of safeguard your own mental health how do you safeguard your own family or downtime uh when it comes to managing a community which is always on um how do you avoid any overwhelm or disconnection at all? 
that's an interesting question. And, you know, a lot of it is by having very, very clear rules. And, and this is the, you know, this is for me, the, the important thing is having really clear rules. I have very clear rules in business when I'm, when I'm taking on new clients. You know, my, my rules in business um, are, are very simple, but very clear so that I avoid dealing with people that I don't want to work, I don't want to work with. And, you know, there's a particular phrase I use, which probably isn't repeatable for a you know, daytime show, Nick, but there's a particular phrase I use that, that always helps me remember not to take on a, uh, you know, a, a job with anybody that is going to cause me difficulty. But then when we think about the community, and it is always on, it's having clear parameters in the community as well. You know, Next Gen Planners is a no moanser. And so, you know, nobody moans. It's really simple. Yeah, we set that up as the first primary rule. It's a no moan zone. Anybody who does, we we very quickly contact them and say, look, just reminding you that it's a no moan zone. And they, they don't do it again. And so it's it's not positivity for positivity's sake. It's just supportive and collaborative and people ask questions and other people give them answers. Nobody is there slagging anybody off, not within the community or externally outside of the community. You know, there's nobody in the community saying, look at what these people are doing over here. That just doesn't happen. So that helps. But the other thing, of course, is if you can be lucky enough, and there are so few people, and I feel very, very fortunate in this, if you can be lucky enough to create a set of circumstances and be fortunate enough to be able to choose what you do for a living and if what you do for a living is a joy then actually it doesn't really feel like work and it doesn't really feel like it interrupts with you know the other great stuff family and all of those things in terms of protecting my my mental health and my well-being most of the time i sit in the garden when it's sunny and i yeah. work there my job nick is to talk to people you know, that is one of the nicest jobs in the world, isn't it? Just to, it is. Just to chat <laughs> to people all day long. Yeah, you know, it's not really a job. I'm slightly embarrassed that I call it my work. When other people say, what do you do? I always want to say something physical and manual that I, you know, that actually is hard work that creates sweat. Because my job doesn't. <laughs> the only time I sweat in my job is literally if it's a bit warm outside and I haven't got a parasol up. That's about as much sweating as I will do. So, you know, for me, it's, uh, you know, it is a joy. And if you can find a job that is a joy, then do that job more and do it as much as you can and, and practice it and find opportunities for it until you do it all the time. Because it wasn't always like that for me. You know, there were a lot of times where I would be doing a job that I wasn't enjoying, where there was a lot of stuff that was like, I'd rather be somewhere else. I'd rather be at home. I'd rather be with my family. I'd rather be out with friends. Whereas now I don't do my job and ever think I would rather be somewhere else. Mm. You know, I'm sat doing my job thinking I'm enjoying this. And, you know, oftentimes, again, if it's warm and we're in the, in the garden, Andrea will be sat next to me whilst I'm doing some of my job. And she gets a bit bored when I'm twittering on about, you know, technical <laughs> financial planning things. And she used to be in the profession, so she knows what I'm talking about. And she rolls her eyes. She sometimes nudges me to correct me on a technical um, <laughs> error as well. I'll make. But, you know, generally... It is a joy, so I, I don't have to be overly protective simply because it doesn't really count for work sometimes. And for that, I'm very grateful. Absolutely. Mate, I could talk to you for hours, but for the sake of the show and for the audience, we better wrap it up here. But before I go, 
I want to ask you the question that I ask everybody. It's something I've actually used with your community as well. So I'm now the uh, MC of the O2 Arena. 20,000 people pay their hard-earned money to come and hear you do your thing, whatever your thing is, uh, bringing yogurt, singing, that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm just about to call you to the stage and your walk-on music kicks in. What would that walk-on track be? I would go back to somebody I mentioned at the very beginning. It would be Bowie and it would be Moon Age Daydream. And for me, apart from the fact it's just a banging tune, isn't it, Moon Age Daydream? <laughs> but for me as well, that it's, you know, it's an, it's an investigation and exploration in uh, decadence and humanity and how actually we can chase all of these these things and all of this science and all of these cool new modern things, but actually we can lose our humanity along the way. And, you know, it's, it's something that I think, you know, it's a great thing to come on to because it's got just an opening riff, which is awesome. But then beyond that, I think there's a message in there as well. Absolutely. And that, along with every other suggestion from this season, will be in the playlist available at the end of season two, whenever that may be. This just rolling and rolling and rolling. However, for today, big thank you to my good friend, Adam Owen. Nick, oh, thank you very much. Thank you so much for sharing with such clarity. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, for everybody else, please stay tuned uh, for episode 18 coming very, very shortly. We have another amazing guest to bring you. Uh, so please do subscribe and follow and all that jazz. And I'll see you again soon. Take care. Be well. Stay happy. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's a wrap. A big thank you for tuning in to today's show. Please stay tuned and hit subscribe for future episodes, bringing you amazing guests, sharing amazing content and amazing insights. Really excited to bring you these. The Forge Ahead Show is sponsored by nickelston.com. If you want to connect with me, you can find all the ways possible through the website. If you want to drop me a message, always great to hear from you. But in the meantime, if I don't catch you before, I'll see you at the next episode. And you take care, guys. Cheers now. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>